I want to say good morning to those of you who are watching online and those in the room, and thank you for being on this beautiful, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And I want to get right into the message. You've brought a copy of God's Word. We're in a book called 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament, right before 2 Corinthians. You can go all the way to the maps on the right and then turn back to the left. You'll hit 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to be, be very brief. I want to say three things today about the death of Jesus, because that's why we're here. We're not here just to think about His life. We're here to think about his death. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul said, number one, we should remember Jesus' death for us. We should remember Jesus' death for us. Now, let's listen to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Now, I can understand why an outside world would say, you know, that's kind of strange. You know, we, we remember birthdays, we remember holidays, we remember anniversaries, but it's really rare to remember death days. I mean, we do it once a year, right, in, in, in the United States, Memorial Day. We remember those who, who gave their lives for our freedom and those who served in the armed forces. And so we, we understand that, but... There were so many special days in the life of Jesus, but you think about this. Jesus never said, now you remember the day I was born. We celebrate Christmas every year, but he never told us to do that. He never said, now remember the day I walked on water. He didn't tell us to do that. Remember the day I preached the greatest sermon in history. There's someone on the mount. He didn't do that. Remember the time I fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish. He didn't say, remember that. He specifically said, but don't ever forget my death. Don't ever forget that I died for you. So that raises a question. If I were not a believer, I'd say, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus say, I want you to make sure you remember the fact that I died? And here's why. You will never understand his life until you understand his death. That's why the world doesn't get Jesus. That's why the world looks at Jesus and oh, he's a great guy, great teacher, great philosopher, great this or great that. No, no, no. He was a great Savior because he died for us. And here's the deal. We all have to die because of our sin. We all have to die because of our sin. But only Jesus had to die for our sin. We die because of it. He died for it. And Jesus died for our sins so that we would never have to die in our sin. He says, I want you to always remember that. So number one, we are to remember Jesus' death for us. Never forget it. That's why we do the supper four, five, six times a year because we don't ever want to forget Jesus died for us. Number two, now this may shock you. We should rejoice in Jesus' death for us. We not only ought to remember it, we ought to rejoice. Now listen to what, Jesus, what Paul said in verse 25. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to take you back to a death you'll remember. All of us remember, or most of us do, when Osama bin Laden was taken out. And you probably saw the same thing I did. I mean, people went, they were in the streets rejoicing. I remember on Pennsylvania Avenue, there were crowds and crowds and crowds of people. They were throwing a party. They were celebrating the fact that Osama bin Laden 
was dead. I didn't celebrate. Now, don't misunderstand. Am I glad that he no longer is a threat to us? Absolutely. Am I glad that he's no longer a danger to our country and anybody else? Yes. But as I was watching people celebrate the death of Osama bin Laden, I thought about a verse in Ezekiel that says this. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. So that raises a question. You say, well, if we really shouldn't have celebrated the fact that a man died and went to hell, why would you celebrate the death of the greatest man who ever lived? Well, it's right here in this verse. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Everybody likes new things, new houses, new clothes, new cars, new babies. Great athletes love new contracts. And there's always rejoicing over new things. And the old, the old covenant, which came under Moses, the problem was there was a system of sacrifices. And every day there was a sacrifice. And every year there was this big, big sacrifice because the sacrifice was always temporary. You were making installments, but you never paid the debt off. And it only covered past and present sins. And that covenant was constantly broken. But Jesus said, I've got a new covenant. I'm making a new deal. And the new covenant is permanent. And the new covenant doesn't just cover your past sins. It doesn't just cover your present sins. It covers your future sins. That's why we ought to rejoice. Because when Jesus died, he said, hey, I've got a new deal. i got a deal you cannot refuse. When you come to me and give your life to me and you accept my death on the cross for you, everything you've ever done in the past, what you will do in the present, what you will do in the future, it is all forgiven. So, we ought to remember Jesus' death for us. We ought to rejoice in Jesus' death for us. And then here's the last thing. We ought to rely on Jesus' death for us. He says in verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, you're not just celebrating a supper. This is really kind of fascinating to me. He said, you're not celebrating a supper. You are actually preaching a sermon. He said, you proclaim the Lord's death. When we take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment, we're saying to the world, we're saying to those who are watching, we're saying to each other, Jesus died for us. You say, well, what's the sermon that we're preaching? Here's what we're telling everybody. Apart from the cross, apart from the body and the blood and the death of Jesus, the entire world is hopeless. The entire world is helpless before a holy and a righteous God. You know, we sang that old song. It was kind of a new, kind of a bluegrass thing, but you've heard it. I heard that song growing up as a kid. You know, leaning on the everlasting arms. There's another old song you may remember that goes like this. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We ought to rejoice, remember his death. We ought to rejoice in his death, but we ought to rely on his death because he is not just dead. He is risen. And the fact that he rose tells me my death, that he said, my death on the cross was not in vain. I really did pay your debt off. You really can have all of your sin debt paid off if you will rely on my death. So let me just close with this. We were uh, making a move this week, and uh, we had some movers at our house. And I'd gone up to the, to, the, to, the, uh, up the driveway to get my mail, and I walked back. And this kid, one of the movers, he didn't know I was back there. And he was just, he was just tired. He'd been working all day. He said, I'm just wasting my blanking life. I'm just wasting my blanking life. I'm just wasting my blanking life. And then he turned around, and there I was. He knew I was a pastor. 
shocked. That night we were, we were unloading. I gave him that little best news tract, and I said, you know, I heard what you said. He said, I know. I said, don't be embarrassed. I said, don't, it shouldn't bother you. I heard it. He heard it. But here's what I told him. Because Jesus died for you, and because Jesus came back from the grave, you don't have to live a wasted life. You can live a life that counts for all eternity. Would you pray with me right now? With his bowed and with eyes closed. You've heard it a million times. I heard it growing up as a boy. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. How many times have you heard it? But I wonder who may be listening to me today by computer, on the television, here in our building. I wonder how many of you are listening to me today, but the lights never come on. The light did not come on for me until I was nine years old. I'd heard it all my life. I grew up in church. I'd heard it all my life. I'd heard it thousands of times. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. But it never changed my life. Never got on my radar screen until finally those two words really hit home. For you. And when I finally realized I'm the one that crucified Jesus. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Pharisees that killed Jesus. It wasn't Pontius Pilate. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. And when I finally realized for the first time, I get it. I'm the one that put that crown of thorns on your head. I'm the one that beat you almost to death with a whip. I'm the one that spit on you. I'm the one that mocked you. I'm the one that cursed you. I'm the one that laughed at you. I'm the one that ignored you. And I'm the one that nailed you to the cross. When that finally hit home to my heart, it changed everything. And I finally realized, no, you're not the good nine-year-old boy that people think you are. Deep in your heart, you're just like everybody else. You're sinful. You're separated from God, and you need a Savior. And that night when I prayed in that movie theater and asked Christ into my heart, I'm telling you, my life has never been the same. That's why when we come to take this supper, you better take it seriously. This is serious business. What we're about to do is not a ritual. We don't do rituals. It's a reminder that the only hope you have of having a relationship with a holy perfect God. The only hope you have of doing that is through the death, the burial, the body, the blood, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's your only shot. That is your only chance. Church won't do it. Baptism won't do it. A good life won't do it. That is your only shot. That's why I call this not just the Lord's Supper. It's a celebration supper because it's a new covenant that God wants to make with you. And if you're here today, or you're listening to me right now, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord, you've never trusted Him as your Savior, I want to give you the chance to do that right now. You may be a, a little boy, a little girl. You may be a teenager. You may be a college student. You may be a senior adult. But maybe this moment, you've come to grips with the fact, you know, I've, I've heard this. And I've got it in my head, but I've never gotten it into my heart. I've never really made this, I've never really gotten in, in, into this new covenant. 
I've never signed my name to that covenant. God has signed his, but I've never signed mine. Would you like to do that today? You're watching me right now. Would you like to do that right now? Would you like to know that every sin you've ever committed, whatever you may do today, whatever you might do tomorrow, already paid for, already forgiven, you say, yes, I would like that. Then would you just tell God that? Just right now, would you just say this to the Lord? Would you say something like this? Lord, I understand now why we're doing what we're about to do. You died for my sins. You told me never to forget it. I see it in my mind's eye right now. I see you on that cross. And it's almost like there's a sign flashing on my chest. I'm dying for you. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. I confess you as the Lord of my life. I put my complete trust in you as the Savior of the world. And I'm asking you right now to come in and take control of my life. Forgive me for my sin. I repent and turn away from my sinful life. And I surrender my life to you as my Lord and as my Savior. Simple question. Did you pray that? Yes, I did. Did you mean it? Yes, I did. If you meant it, listen carefully. If you meant it, then God saved you. Well, how do I know that? Because God gave his word and God doesn't lie. And we heard that just a moment ago when that young man, that beautiful baptism we just saw. If you will confess with your mouth, it doesn't mean just say it. You can say it, not mean it. But if you confess with your mouth and mean it, Jesus, you are my Lord. And believe in your heart, not your head, but your heart. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's not what I'm saying. That's what God says. So you can know that. So you say, I prayed that prayer. I, I, I said that to the Lord. I meant it, and I know that Christ has saved me. Well, listen carefully. What you've done is not the end of the Christian life. It's just the beginning. It's just You're just starting. And the very first thing that God expects of you, God demands of you, once you give your life to Christ, is to be baptized like, 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 like that young man was just a moment ago. And I, you know, people say, well, I don't understand. Why do I need to be baptized? Because baptism is kind of like a wedding ring. You don't have to wear a wedding ring to be married. But if you're married, you want to wear a wedding ring because you want people to know you are. Same way with baptism. You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. But once you are saved, once you truly become a believer, you want to be baptized. That's the way you profess your faith. So I'm going to ask you to do. If you pray to receive Christ right now, I'm talking to you online, television, computer, whatever, or you're in this building. If you prayed that prayer just then, and you truly ask Christ to come into your heart, I want you to do one of two things. I want you to go to a website right now. Just go to, go to a website. Go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Or easier way is this. Just text Jesus, all lower caps, text Jesus to 678 678- 255-2566. That's simple. So what'll happen? You won't believe this. I came to church last Sunday just to hear the, my, my own one of our staff preach. I did that just to see what would happen. You know what? It's great. 
It takes you through every step you need to take to become a real, true follower of Jesus. So right now, do that. Crosspointschurch.com. By the way, you may say, well, I've already been saved, but I need to be baptized. Same thing. Do the same thing. Or, I've already been saved, I've been baptized, but I, you know, I need to join this church. Same thing. That's the way you make your decision. Just go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision or text Jesus to that number. And we'll tell you whatever next step you need to take, we will tell you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, driving to church this morning, I was just thinking about how grateful I am that you died for me. If there'd been nobody in the world but me, or nobody in the world but that person listening to me right now, you would have still come and died just for us. Thank you. And then, Father, I thought about this. God, don't let us keep that to ourselves. Please let us have a one in our life that needs to hear that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus cares for them, that Jesus wants to save them, that Jesus wants to change them, that Jesus wants to live in them, and that Jesus wants to do for them what Jesus has done for us. Don't let us keep that to ourselves. Lord, as we're about to enter into this time of this uh, celebration supper, God, use it to cleanse us. Use it, Heavenly Father, to consecrate us. Use it to confirm in our hearts we are who we are. We have what we have because of what you've done for us. And may you be glorified in what we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're about to take the supper, and I want to make sure, I hope if you have, don't have the elements, we've got places you feel free to get up if you need to and make sure that you're ready to do that. But let me just say a couple of things. If you're not a believer, you're not to take the supper. And I don't, we don't say that to offend you. I'm not saying that to upset you or make you angry. But this is for the Lord's family. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a part of God's family. You can be a part of God's family anytime you want to become. He's got a seat at the table with your name on it. But if you've never accepted that seat, this is not for you. Number two, the Bible says that we, Paul even says, do not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy fashion. Not, not, not that you're worthy to take it. People misunderstand that. What, what did he mean in an unworthy fashion? Well, if you go back, it's really kind of, it's not really funny. It's may say, people are getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And, and people were, it, it was a, a time you would also eat. So some people were bringing food, but not sharing with people that didn't have any food. So there was sin in the building. Sin in the house where they have the church. And Paul said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You cannot have sin in your life and, and, and take the Lord's Supper. One of the purposes, one of the reasons why we do this, this is really a spiritual checkup every time we come here. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads one more time. I want to ask you to say one thing to the Lord. So It's a prayer I pray every morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, for example, you are bitter towards somebody. You can't take the Lord's Supper. You've got to get rid of that bitterness. You're into pornography. You can't be into pornography. Take the Lord's Supper. You've got you to you ask God to help you stop that habit. You're not handling your money financially the way you should. You're not being faithful to the Lord in giving. You need, you, you need to get that straightened out before you take the Lord's Supper. This is God's way of saying, okay, it's time to kind of do a spiritual checkup. If there's anything between you and me, you need to get rid of it. So would you just bow your heads right now and close your eyes? 
And in your heart, I want you to pray this prayer. Now, let, let me just be honest. Some of you don't want to pray this prayer because you know there's sin in your life. That's the wrong approach. You don't go to the doctor and find out there's something wrong with you and then say thank you and leave and don't do something about it. So I want you to say this to the Lord right now in your heart. Here's what I want you to say. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. And let's just take a moment and you just sit and be quiet. And I promise you, whatever's in your life, God is perfectly capable of letting you know what that is. So take a moment and you spend that with the Lord and you let God search your heart. And then if there's any unconfessed sin in your life and you know that there is, right now confess it. Ask God to forgive you of it. Repent of it. Turn away from it. And you will be ready then to take the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for that beautiful verse that says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I I can say before you today, I can say before our people today, my hands are clean, my heart is pure. May that be true of all of us as we take this supper today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want you, first of all, to take the little wafer, the bread that's in your, um, on top of your cup. If you're a kid, if you're a child, let me take you back just a few years in my life. Well, a good number of years when I was a kid. I remember going to church, and, and back in the day, we didn't have children's church like we do today and other things. And so I sat with my mom and dad every Sunday. I did the time I started church. And the saddest Sundays for me were when, when we would take the Lord's Supper because everybody wants to be included, right? And uh, I can still remember. I remember we were living in Florida. I was five years old. I still remember this. We went to El Bethel Baptist Church. I'm sitting with my dad, I'm five years old, and they're, you know, they, they were passing the elements, and I started to take one, dad wouldn't let me. And all he said to me that day, he said, you're not ready yet. I didn't really understand, you're not ready. And we got home, and mom and began to explain to me, okay, this is what is necessary. And I still remember, there's certain, certain things that make burn into your memory. I can remember the night I got baptized. Easy to remember, because we didn't have any heater in the tank, and water was ice cold, I'll never forget it. But then I remember the very next Sunday we took the Lord's Supper, and I got to take the Lord's Supper. What a thrill that was for me because I knew Jesus. And I finally understood, okay, this is not just a piece of bread. I, I get it now. This represents his body, the body of the Son of God. And Jesus said, he blessed the bread, and we bless it even now. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you eat it, 
you do it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we'll never understand. We cannot understand. It's impossible to understand what you went through for our sins. The only totally, perfectly formed human body with no imperfection at all was taken through the agony of the worst way to die we've ever imagined, crucifixion. But you did that for us, Lord Jesus. And we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. And we unashamedly say to a lost world, you are the only way to the Father. You are the only way to God. You are the only path to heaven because you are the only one who gave your body for us. We love you and bless you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. And then the scripture says, likewise, he took the cup. When I was in seminary, one the seminary that the people, kids get to go to today, I went when our seminaries were very, very liberal. And I had a professor, uh, Dr. Stagg. And Dr. Stagg hated the idea of a bloody religion, hated it. And I will never forget, I took him from the book of Romans. We got to a particular passage in Romans, talking about the death of Jesus. I never forget what Dr. Stagg said. And had I not been taught better, I probably would have gone to jail. He said, Jesus Christ could have fallen off of a hill and broken his neck and accomplished the same thing he accomplished on the cross. And I thought to myself, sitting in that chair that day, there's about 150 kids in that, in that class, and I thought to myself, that's, just not, that's not just a lie, that is a damnable lie. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And John, later on, in 1 John 1, 7, said, The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. The life, Leviticus 17, 11 says, The life is in the blood, but so is the death. And that's why Jesus said, This cup, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Why is it new? Well, because the old covenant, you did shed blood, but it was the blood of bulls and the blood of goats. And the author of Hebrews says, the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. It can kind of stave off the effects, but it can't take away your sin. But the blood of Jesus is so powerful, so strong, so mighty. You take the worst sin you can imagine throw it up on the wall and you apply the blood of Jesus to it, it is gone forever. So he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and as often as you drink it, you do it in remembrance of me. Lord, our church is not just a people of the book. We're a people of the blood. We're a people of the body. You gave your body, <clears throat> you shed your blood for the remission of our sins. 
we promise to remember what you did. We promise to rejoice in what you did. And we promise to rely on what you did. Lord Jesus, for eternity, we will never be able to thank you enough for what you have done for us. Father, this is my prayer. Please let what we've done today put a fire in our hearts to tell somebody else about you. You you didn't just die for us to pay for our sins. You died for us so we could tell others you paid for their sins. This week, I'm specifically praying for me. Give me the opportunity this week to talk to somebody about Jesus. Lord, Jeremy, that young man that I talked to the other night, I pray that Jeremy has realized and does realize he doesn't have to live a wasted life. In fact, that's why you died. That's why you came back from the grave. So no life has to be a wasted life. And we thank you for that truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now I want you to stand to your feet right now if you would. And we've got a, our our worship team is about to lead us in a beautiful, beautiful hymn. Everybody stand to your feet beautiful, beautiful hymn. As they do that, let me just go ahead and say to all of you, particularly if you're a guest of ours, and by the way, if you made a decision for Christ today, even if you texted or even if you went to our website, we would like to know about your decision. And if you've got a, if you made a decision, you've got a spiritual need, or you've got somebody that you would like to pray for you, we have a, a table out in our lobby called Connection Point. There will be people out there. So if you'd like to know more about the decision you made or more about baptism, more about joining the church, or you've got a spiritual need you'd like to share, if you'll just go to that desk, we'd be more than happy to meet you and take care of that need. In the meantime, if you're staying home, great. If you're traveling, whatever, I do hope you have a very, very blessed Memorial Day. And let's do this, because sometimes I fail to do the same thing. Let's don't just remember, of course, that Jesus died, but let's do give thanks. Some of you have grandfathers, our sons, our nephews, our brothers or sisters that died giving their life for the freedom that we enjoy. We thank God for them and we remember them on this weekend.